everyone, and welcome to Sit and Scholar, a podcast where we uncork new knowledge. This video is very special to me because it is the season to apply for a Fulbright Scholar program or to apply for an award. This is the best time to make use of your summer and apply for a Fulbright Scholarship. As a prior Fulbright Scholar alumni, I um, am current Fulbright Scholar Ambassador, I wanted to make this video to give you a little bit of insight into what the Fulbright Scholar Award is, give you some tips and tricks on how to um, create a strong application, and just general guidelines of what receiving a Fulbright Scholar Award can look like for you. I am super excited to share this information. I am always advocating for this program because it was life-changing for me when I did it in 2019, and I know that it can be for you too. So let's get into it as we look into the Fulbright Scholars program. Now, I have here my computer with me with some notes, and I wanted to start talking about how the Fulbright um, Scholar program offers over 400 different awards in 135 different countries for people who are professionals in their field here in the United States. So there are a lot of awards available out there. There's also a different eligibility criteria. And I think the most important for, um, thing for you to do is to look at the eligibility criteria for each award. Now, for some general guidelines is that most awards do, do require a terminal degree in your area of expertise and all awards to require that you are a US citizen. Now, the Fulbright Scholar Award, not to be confused with other programs because Fulbright in general offers many other awards, the Fulbright Scholar I associate it more with, like I mentioned, the people that have that terminal degree. So you either have a PhD or another terminal degree that makes you eligible for this award. Now, there are other awards that Fulbright offers, such as the Fulbright Student Award, where those are not, um, they have other requirements, for example. But I'll specifically talk about the Scholar Award today. So some of the activities that you can do with a Fulbright Scholar really varies. And um, I remember that when I first started looking into the Fulbright Scholars, I tended to associate it with um, only research. And that is a big part of it, but there are different types of award depending on what you, you want your experience to be. So one of the award options is the research award, and this includes activities, for example, that involve scientific research, qualitative research, quantitative research, and practice-based research that also include artistic research. There's also the teaching and research award, which is the one I received, and the teaching and research awards includes all the activities I mentioned, but you are also working and teaching courses at a university or at a different host institution. Doesn't necessarily need to be a university. There's also the third option is that there's a teaching award where you're solely teaching. And um, this is a great opportunity for all of you scholars out there that want to get more teaching practice or that maybe you work at a teaching institution. Such an amazing opportunity to get to teach and work with other faculty and students abroad. And uh, finally, there's the professional projects. And for this one, these are activity type provided that provides professionals and artists in various fields the opportunity to interact with organizations to explore a topic related to their field. 
without answering a defined research question. And this can include professional consultation, artist residencies, etc. So one thing that I really do appreciate about the Fulbright Scholar is that they are really emphasizing that this is an award that also artists can apply to. So don't feel that if you don't work, for example, at a university, you can't apply for this. You most definitely can. I actually know many people who don't have a university affiliation who have gotten Fulbright Scholarship Awards. Now, I'm going to leave on the description box below the link to search for an award. You can search for an award by either country or your expertise, etc. You're going to notice that some awards say all disciplines. And I think a question that a lot of people have is, well, if it says all discipline, does this mean that my specific field qualifies? And the short answer to that is yes, <laughs> definitely. I remember when I applied for my Fulbright scholarship, it said all disciplines. And that was a little intimidating because I know in the back of our minds, we might all be wondering, well, do they really have a preference for a specific discipline? And no, if you have a strong application, all disciplines are being accepted for that specific award. You can also search um, by country, which is what I did specifically. There was a place that I really wanted to work at, and that's how I ended up there. But um, you can search, like I mentioned, by field and country and other, other search features as well. So I really urge you to look into all the, all the awards. I mean, there's 400. That's a lot, right? So you do need to take some time to search and see which one you think would be the most beneficial for you. Now, these are my specific tips for a strong application. The first one, and when I've talked to other Fulbright scholars, this is what they always recommend too. You need to have a good story as to why you want to apply for that award. Tell your story. Why is that country and why is that specific award important for you, right? So you can't say, for example, oh, I would really love to be in the Dominican Republic because because of very, of very generic reasons, right? There must be a strong reason and we really want to hear your story as to why that is a good award and specific match for you. Um, this, the second one, like I mentioned, is giving a reason as to why that location is good. So if you're applying for a research award and you're specifically looking, for example, agriculture, then why is that country the best place for you to conduct that research? If you're applying for a teaching award, then why is that, that place or that host institution that you want to work with the best partner for you to do that? Also discuss why do you want to be there? Why is this the best timing for you to complete this program? Why is it good? Why is it important for you to do this? And give a rationale as to why you want to do this. And also consider, which I think is something that I've observed that has happened before, give a strong reason on that why, as to why um, you are a good fit in other ways. So for example, consider what are, how are you going to get involved with the community outside of your project, right? If you're going to be doing some teaching, maybe consider how are some other ways you can involve yourself with the community surrounding that school. Um, also consider 
what ways you're going to, what will you do outside of just um, your award, right? Um, consider all of those factors. And also, I think something that we look into is we want to make sure that what you're proposing is something that you're going to be successful at. And what I mean by that is we want to make sure that if you propose to go to a country and um, you're only going to be there for four months, then what you're proposing is achievable, right? And that that place will give you the opportunities to do that too. And I think as professionals, we're all very aware that living in a different country might come with um, just differences, right? So you might have um, differences in transportation, differences in how you get access to water, differences in electricity. All those things I, I think are very important for you to be mindful of, right? We wanna make sure that if you accept an award, you are going to be successful in that country too. So for example, I'm giving you this example because it has happened. Um, if you live in a country who has um, maybe a, a climate situation happen and you're out of power for two or three days, how are you going to manage that, right? And I'm not saying write that on your application. That's not, that's not necessarily something that you write about. But be mindful that if you are applying to a place that might have those um, situations happen, then you can accommodate to that with, with ease. Now, there's also another thing that I wanted to mention. When you're looking at the list of the Fulbright programs, what are the Flex Awards? Flex Awards is essentially an award that has some flexibility, like the word says. And during those Flex Awards, you're able to travel back to the United States for a period of time. So let's say this Flex Award is six months long. You might be able to go for three months, come back to the United States for a period of time, and then return. That period of time is determined by the award as well. But I think the Flex Award is really good, especially for people um, who might be on tenured or for people who have families or people that need to travel more back, back and forth from different locations. Consider that as an option as well. Now, for the letter of invitation, you're going to notice that some awards, not all, require a letter of invitation. And applicants are responsible for obtaining and uploading this letter of invitation to their Fulbright ERA Scholar program application if it is required by the award. What uh, this means basically is that you are in charge of obtaining this letter. Now, this letter can look in, um, well, can be received in many ways. What I specifically did, because my Fulbright Award also required a letter of invitation, I wrote to the Fulbright office from the host country I wanted to be in. And I told them, hey, these are my areas of expertise. This is what I would like to do. Do you have any recommendations of a possible um, host institution that might be a good match? They quickly got back to me and put me in contact with various people that I was able to reach out to and get that letter of invitation and support. And another thing that I think was very important when reaching for that letter of support is to work with the other country to see what are some other areas of need. For me specifically, I learned a lot about a program that was new and developing in the, in the country and the host institution. 
So I leaned into that when I was writing my application because I knew that that was something I would be working on. Now, some of the people might already have connections in that country and you might have a host, in, a host institution already in mind and that's great. But I think for most of us out there, that's not our reality, right? We are working on trying to get a little of invitation. Like for me, for example, going to a country I had only visited 24 hours once and did not have those connections too. So it really did help um, to reach out to that Fulbright office in the host country I was in. So that's a recommendation for you in case you're seeking a letter of invitation. Now, another thing that I think uh, we might have questions on is how do you, do you get support from your host institution? Now, when I did my award, I was an untenured second year faculty member in um, my university. So what I did is that I reached out um, to my dean. I told them that I was accepted for this award. Well, first I told them I was applying to, to this award. And once it was awarded, they already knew that um, I needed accommodations. What worked out for me specifically is that I was able to get course releases and then teach a couple classes online while I was in the host country. Now, this worked out for me, but if this is something that doesn't work out for you, then consider how you can plan for um, maybe doing it during sabbatical if you're a faculty member or how you can take time off. Now, the reason I wanted to do the course release was because I still needed my full salary. Like many of you all, you still have financial responsibilities back home. And the Fulbright um, Scholar Award gives you enough money um, to be able to live very comfortably in your host institution. But for me personally, I w wouldn't be able to pay for my mortgage, my car, all the other responsibilities I had back home. So I still wanted to have my full salary from my institution on top of the Fulbright um, Scholar Award. So I took the course releases and then I taught a couple classes online that I had taught previously, so it was not as um, intensive. And I had the time that I could manage very well between both responsibilities. So if you are awarded the Fulbright Scholar, I wanted to talk also about the living accommodations. Each country is going to be very different on how they handle the living accommodations. For me specifically, I went in on Airbnb. I, oh my God, I obsessed over this. I looked at so many different apartments. I looked at my price range. I looked at location. I wanted to be close to work. Um, but when I reached out to the Fulbright office, I told them, hey, these are like my top three apartments. They quickly told me, you know, um, where the office is located, we don't recommend you live in that area because it's sort of isolated. We recommend you um, travel there so that you or commute there. So um, a couple of the apartments I sent that immediately were um, not eligible anymore. But then I, I found one that fit me really well. I didn't have a car, so I wanted to live somewhere I could walk to a grocery store, walk to activities, etc. And on Airbnb, I was able to do that. And I was also able to find a really nice apartment from here. So I got that covered before I even got there. So that by the time I got there, it was done. 
I know that other awards offer, offer accommodations, so that's something else to consider. But if you are more like me, that you like to have control over those things, then looking on Airbnb is really um, a good option for you to do. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is traveling with children. Now, at that time, I did not have my daughter, but I do have many colleagues that travel with children. And the Fulbright program does offer you an additional stipend if you are traveling with dependents. Now, dependents can be a spouse or they can be children. doesn't need to be children. It could be a spouse. So when I, um, when I received my award, I went alone. But, um, but yes, I have had many colleagues that have received this award and gone with their children. Now, outside of this um, additional stipend that you get, you can talk to the Fulbright office to also get insights into schools, which ones do you think are a best match for you. I do recommend you get there a couple weeks before so that you can do your research, scope the area. If you are placing children in school, then is that a good fit for you? Is that, is that, is that school a good fit for you? Now, a little bit about my experience. I was awarded my Fulbright scholarship in 2019. I went from um, early October to late December. I had the best time in Uruguay. I worked with a program called Ingles Sin Limites. And with my program, I was able to travel all over the country to provide professional development and conduct research and evaluation of this program. Now, I think one thing I learned once I got there is that when you end up proposing on your award, you do need to have flexibility on what you actually end up doing. And what I mean by that is that as me, for example, someone who hadn't worked there or been there before, I'm writing about what I think is going to happen and what my plan is. But once you get there, you're going to learn a lot about the 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 country, the needs. So please be very adaptable that some things might change, right? Not everything, but some things might change and you need to be able to adapt to what those things um, are. Now, the Fulbright um, program also gives you a um, like a spending money and that spending money is used to support um, your endeavors in that country. So for example, I traveled all over the country so I got to use some of that money to pay for some of those expenses. I know other people use their money to buy books and give out to the community. I know other people who use the money to open a gallery, which I think was amazing. I loved hearing about their use of, that, of those funds. And other people use it to buy equipment that's needed in their host institution. If you're doing scientific research, for example, you might need a specific machine or specific items that are not available in that place. So you can use those funds to buy that to make your experience and your research expertise there um, be, you know, be able to happen. Now, um, if you have any questions, please leave them down below. This is all for today. I don't want to make this video super long, but please leave any questions down below. I'm so happy to answer any questions you may have. I am very passionate about the Fulbright Scholars Program. I'm also available to do um, either a webinar or travel to different colleges or universities to talk about this program. So yes, please reach out to me either by leaving me a comment or following my Instagram on Sip and Scholar. Thank you very much for your time and I hope you have a great one.
Tschüss.